0: Well, happy Mother's Day, what a special day it is, and uh, moms, our desire is that we would be a people, we would be a church that encourages you to, uh, to be a mom that pursues after the Lord in your mommeriness. ness uh, what a job you have. What a job you have. It's just a delight to be able to have Karen's mom here with us this morning. What a sweet uh, lady she is, and so grateful for her. Um, Just a delight to have that. I I, uh, also particularly want to give a shout-out to my mom. She's not able to be here uh, this morning, but uh, I think you can see some pictures up on the screen of my family growing up. I'm the littlest one, the cutest one. (laughs) Yeah, right. But uh, I want to add a little bit of HD detail to my thanks uh, to her. I would say, Mom, thanks for your sweet endurance. Um, Especially a mom who endured the insanity of a household of four boys. And yes, I am putting my dad definitely in that category there. Um, My mom endured the joy of having a two-seater airplane built in her garage. Uh, she endured the joy of having a business started in her basement. Um, she endured the uh, joy of traveling some 40 states over the years of my growing up in a camper that my dad built, bless her heart. Um, and also with that, I growing up we moved a number of times, I went to four high schools in four different states growing up. And I just kind of hit me uh, this week that that meant my mom, even just during those years, had to build a home, if you will, uh, four different times while I was growing up through high school, and um, I never felt lost or without from her. Thanks, Mom. Part of that is because of what I'm going into now, thanks to my wife, Karen, the mom of our kids. Um, I have a little bit of an ability here to put some things on the table, so I want to put a little bit of HD detail to my thankfulness for her. Um, Karen, and I wish you would have known her when our family was younger. Karen was truly one of the most amazing disciple-making moms I've ever met. And I wish you would have known her in those days. Um, She read more books to her children than I thought was humanly possible. I remember coming home from work at times and she would just say, you've got to take them because I can't talk anymore. She had TMJ and my mouth is about to fall off from reading books. Uh, She cheered our kids on. She corrected them with love. She was incredibly purposed as a mom. They watched her do life at home. uh, They watched her do life at church. They watched her do life with our business. And they watched her do life in the community. Um, They watched her ups and downs. And they watched her ski. And they watched her uh, camp. And they watched her Paint a house. Um, They experienced a picnic in Paris (laughs) on the screen, and there's a family thing behind all that uh, with that. But um, they saw her step away from the opportunity for millions, for the opportunity to enter into full time ministry with me. Um, They see her as a grandma now, and they see her as a friend. And that is one of the most wonderful things about empty nester life in that stage reality of it. Most of all, they watched her love the Lord Jesus. And that is without question. And it is a delight to be able to say that my kids are and do, say, Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight: 28, um, her children arise and call her blessed. And uh, thanks, babe. <sighs> we need to think of how grateful we are in HD detail. Too often we see life in big lumps and chunks. And even in the things we're thankful for, we th- give thanks for them in chunks rather than HD detail. And um, we're going to go there today. But before we go there, Mother's Day is a special day for so many. I think it's also appropriate just to be able to note here that part of the reality is that uh, Mother's Day is a day that's hard for some. Um, It can be a heartache of uh, wanting children, but unable to have children It can be the loss of a child. It can be a miscarriage. It can be an abortion. Uh, We want you to know that we love you and want to love you today in all of it. Um, It can be the heartache of a prodigal child. It can also be the sense of loss of a mom where your mom is no longer uh, here but is passed on. Um, Or it can even be having a mom that maybe wasn't a loving mom. Or actually when it hits Mother's Day, it's hard to think of any good kinds of times. Um, The reason I'm kind of going in detail here is because I want us to bring it all together to the Lord today. The, the, The wonderful chunks, the wonderful details... And also some of the hurts and the heartaches that go on in life in these times. And so we're going to bring it all together. We're going to take it to the Lord, okay? So that's what we're going to do. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to do this by going to probably one of the most famous passages about Mother's Day, Judges 5. I mean, isn't that what you think of? When you think Mother's Day, you're generally like, Judges 5, right? Okay, I'm trying to get a little bit lighter here. (laughs) Open your Bibles to Judges chapter 5. Okay, if uh, you don't have a Bible with you, grab one from one of the seats in the back there. I think it's page 203 uh, there, Judges chapter five. Uh, Judges five is a song. It's actually a duet. It's a duet of Deborah and Barak. We had met Deborah and Barak in Judges four last Sunday. And here both of them are singing, which is really intriguing in all of this. Deborah is, I think, clearly the uh, main central figure throughout this song. So uh, I, in light of the fact that it's Mother's Day, I'm kind of harnessing that reality, and I'll think that, I think you'll see that in the text, that Deborah is kind of uh, maybe front and center in this duet, but Barak is there as well. So guys, this is also, uh, there's so much truth in this song for us as well. Uh, it's a song, and Judges 5 is a unique chapter. Some of the terminology is hard to grab a hold of, Uh, In fact, one commentator says, As history, Judges 5 informs, as a ballad it entertains, as a heroic ode it inspires, as a song it calls for celebration. This is a celebration song, and uh, we're here celebrating Mother's Day today, and I think there's some really cool things out of the chapter that are going to apply to moms, to you, and to all of us today as we go through it. So here we go, Judges chapter 5, you there? How about we start in verse 1? That's generally a good place to start in a chapter. So we'll start there, verse 1. Uh, then sang Deborah, and who? And Barak, the son of Abinom on that day... Let's pause here. Uh, Some of these early verses, I'm gonna take a little bit more time on them because the rest of the text just kind of flows out of these. So here it starts off with then. Then is an important word because it tags on to the context before. Remember when these were written, the chapters and the verses markings weren't there. They're fantastic to help us get to places, but sometimes the chapter breaks completely interrupt the movement of what's happening. The word then connects it. So uh, it says on that day, then on that day. Now, now which day? I don't know because obviously it couldn't happen the day right after we finish out chapter four because there's more information or there's, they have to come together and so forth. But sometime after this, uh, these two are singing this song because it's then they sang. It's they sang this. That means that what we are about to read is not a didactic it's not like a classroom Pauline epistle type of a thing. It's a song. It's not a lecture. It's a song. It's not a newspaper article. It's not a journal article. It's a song. It's also, it's not a biography or a novel. It's a what? It's a song. Now, songs have a way, and there's poetry, Hebrew poetry. We They don't do it like roses are red, violets are blue you know kind of thing. Hebrew poetry is completely different. I'm not going to go into that. It's just know this. It's a song and there's poeticness in it. That means you need to get your artsy-tartsy on. Okay, that's what's going on here. It uses words that are kind of, uh, Mother's Day, flowery. It uses words that expound and expand. It uses words that help to take our mind and thought somewhere. I would say it this way it's words that are literary artwork. Think of it as painting a picture with words. That's what's happening in this chapter. That's what they're doing with what's going on with all of this. They're they're painting a picture here with it. So, by the way, if you are thinking that Deborah and Barack here are like singing a special music song, like open to hymn number five, singing a duet during the church, that's not what's going on here. Okay, Get, get that out. Uh, also in this, it is not uh, the kind of thing where it's like at a Christian concert. That's not what's going on. It's not like a song for K-Love to play. That's not the, the setting of what's going on here. It's uh, also not a bluegrass band or an opera going on or rap singers. I mean, can you see them? <laughs> anyway, I can't do that. Um, that's not, so what is going on? Here's what I know. Not a, I don't know a whole lot. I don't know the setting. I just know it's none of those, and we generally kind of go there, and we think a song with you know chorus and coming back the way we do it. But understand, this is like thousands of years ago, in a whole different culture, in a whole different setting. So let me just invite you to think artsy, tartsy. And so if you're an engineer or very you know kind of a, a academic in your thinking, get over it for a little bit, <laughs> okay, and. and embrace the floweriness here, all right? Uh, let's pull it together. It's a song. We good? Yep. It's a song. All right, here we go. Uh, let's go to verse 2, uh, move into it. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinom on that day, and here it starts, that the leaders took the lead in Israel. You're wanting me to sing this, aren't you? that the leaders, I don't know how to do it, took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly stop. We, we have kind of what I'm gonna call, these first two verses provide horizontal information. They, they tell us that Deborah and Barak are singing this, whatever that setting is, it tells us that it's, that it's tied to what's happening in, out of chapter 4. We know that. And now we have some actual in the song in the start of it. We're given two pieces of key information here. Somehow the information or the topics, the horizontal kind of discussion of this song is related to two things. First, leaders that lead. And second, God's people that are willing to offering, offer themselves up. I'll just say, I think as we go through this, you'll see that's the whole uh, gist of this song that's about to be uh, laid out for us here on those two subjects. Why would you sing about leaders that lead, and why would you sing about God's people uh, willingly following the Lord? Because in their day, this now is about 150 years into the time of the judges. The MO of the day, the norm of the day has been not that. Now, there has been some of that with Othniel and Ehud and Shamgar uh, as, as we've carried on through. But, but the norm of the day is not leaders that lead. And not people who willingly give themselves up to the Lord. It has been the opposite of that. And so when it happens, you sing it out. And by the way, moms, when the days and the weeks and the months and the years go by and you're in the trenches of children, some days you just go, it's been dark (laughs) and dreary and heavy For a long, long, like 150 years is about what it feels like. True? And you wonder, are they ever going to get it? And I'm highlighting this right at this moment because this song is about sing it out. When you see it, sing it out. When you see the moments of victory, oh, take it to heart, but don't just hold it. Sing it out. You need to hear it said, because in the 150 years of raising these little boogers, there have been some victories. God is at work. And part of the reason we forget that God is at work is because sometimes it just seems like there's so much where it's like not going anywhere. And you need to hear yourself sing it out. And your children need to hear you sing it out. And those around you need to hear you sing it out. And the Lord needs to hear that you're seeing it and seeing it out. Because God's people are supposed to be singing the victory's people. We're supposed to be that. And so that's what this is all about. Well, lay the groundwork here, and then it just really starts going here. So uh, let's go on here. Uh, The leaders that lead, whoa, awesome! People offering themselves willingly. What's the next three words? Bless the Lord. By the way, you can see that I'm putting the text up on the screen today, and I, I usually don't do that. And I usually don't do that because I actually really want to encourage you to have a Bible open on your lap rather than thinking, I don't have to bring it, I'll just see it up on the screen. Okay, so I want to have your Bibles open on the lap, but I'm putting it up today because of some of the flow of this text. So everywhere you see up on the screen here, even if you can't read it, the, the yellow is the vertical praise that's given. The white is kind of the horizontal inf- Information associated, and we're going to see a pattern here. And the pattern is: is horizontal information is given, and then it's taken vertical. And so more horizontal information is given, and it's taken vertical. And that's what should be happening in our lives. And by the way, as we see this unfold, it moves from leadership, kind of on down to boots on the ground to two individual ladies in the end. By the way, remember Deborah and Barack are the ones singing this. They are leaders, Deborah, prophetess, wife, judge, we learned from chapter four. Here's this prophetess and judge, Barak, this military commander, general leader out of chapter four. We have leaders and they're doing this and that's, I'll just tell you, this is how leaders do it. They kind of see top down and that's the flow of the text here as we're moving down into that. But we've been given some horizontal information and end of verse two, what do they do? They bring it vertical. Bless the Lord. 150 years. Not a whole lot to get all cranked up about during that time. But it's time to sing now. It's time to sing now because the Lord is at work. Bless the Lord. Well, we keep reading because now they put some more to this. Uh, Verses 3 through 5. Hear, O kings. This is what they're singing. Bless the Lord. Hear, O kings. Give ear, O princess. To the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to who? The Lord. By the way, it's Yahweh, the covenant God. He holds his covenant with his people. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 4, Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped yes clouds dropped water the mountains quake before the lord even sinai sinai that's where uh, exodus god's people came uh, moses was at uh, even sinai before the lord the god of israel listen why didn't they just stop at bless the lord i mean that's taken a vertical what we're seeing here in this text is we are seeing, I'm going to call it HD details. Not just the victory, but the details of the victory. Not just the fact of, oh, leaders lead and people are following the Lord. Woo, bless the Lord. You go, God. You're the man. Big God. No, what's going to happen is, is no, let me, let me cry out how the Lord Worked Because I want it not just like in three words. We want the HD details. By the way, HD details require HD theology. Because when we just see things that are good, we'll just state what's good. But when we see the detail of how a God who is sovereign, he is warrior, he is pursuer. When we see that God at work and we begin noting and picking and observing and stating the details of how God worked, oh my word, it gets way bigger. I mean, look at the text. When you, God, went out from Seir, when you marched from the region, wait a second. Nowhere in the text does it say that like the Trinity went poof. They were. Where were they walking? Where were they marching? No, no, no. They knew good theology, HD kind of theology, understands that when God's people were moving and working, God was the one who was working behind them. God was the one who was going before them. And in it, they get it, and they're stating it, that's our God. And not only does God go from behind and in front and with, but not only that in this situation, the earth trembled, the heavens dropped, yes, the clouds dropped. Do you remember last Sunday if you were here? We went through chapter four, 900 chariots down in Caesarea, the general of the the wicked uh, army, uh, 900 chariots, and they're in the plains section up on the north, just south of the Sea of Galilee, and it's plains, chariots work in the plains, not in the mountains. And yet what started happening is they're coming with their 900 chariots. It sounded just like that. They're coming down and yet in it, all of a sudden, listen, uh, by the way, I need a piece of information. See, Sarah would not have taken his 900 chariots out during the rainy season. He's not a fool. He knew that during the rainy season, you take your chariots out on the land, you're dead meat because chariots don't work in the mud with horses. And yet he's in the dry season likely here, is why he's now is the time for the attack. And he's coming and they're coming down and God's like, got it, I got it. Turn the switch. And the rain comes pouring down. Soaks the place. The Kishon River floods out and chariots and horses are in mud and being turned over and it's a mess. And God has the victory. It's not just the kind of thing where it's like, big God, way to go, man. Oh, it's much cooler than that. It's so much grander than that. And they're giving the details of it. Even the earth trembled and the heavens dropped and the mountains quaked. That's my God. Hey, moms. The words of Your kids, when they say, and Mother's Day, especially, like, I love you, or thank you. That's really special and really, really cool. Kind of like, bless the Lord. Bless you, Mom. Appreciate you. But, Moms, help us. Isn't this true? If that was backed with some details, some HD to it, wouldn't that be special? It would kind of one take away that I gotta say I love you and thank you on Mother's Day, otherwise I'm a bad human. But it would put real meat to it. This week, when I was preparing for this and even thinking, what, what do I say about my mom and about Karen? It was an interesting time just to sit back and reflect. And what the Lord has done in her, through her, with her. Man, just bless my soul. Being able to share some of that with you this morning. And some of that HD detail. Oh, may we be people that sing to the Lord in HD. Right? More of that. By the way, I'm setting you husband's Sons, daughters up here. Either for great success or grand failure today. <laughs> but can I encourage you. Before the chocolates or the flowers or the card are with it. Bring some HD into it. Of what the Lord has done. Let's keep going. And now it just starts Unfolding. In the days of, in the days of. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anoth, In the days of Jael. Uh, Shamgar, chapter 3, verse 31. The one verse guy. Uh, remember the uh, uh, ox guy? I had the, uh, uh, from the movie uh, up there. I'm going blank on it. Um, Matrix. Yeah, it's so biblical. <laughs> had him up there. And then how interesting is, in the days of Jael. Remember Jael last Sunday? Remember? J.L. was not an Israelite. J.L., even as we'll see here in, in a moment, is kind of referenced as just normal person. And yet, obviously, when they're singing of Shamgar, everybody would have known of Shamgar. In the days of J.L., uh, by the way, in this song, it, it's, it's kind of like a noting point. People knew this girl. People knew this girl. This girl rocked. In the days of jail, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept in the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be. What's being said here? These were hard days. This they're bringing back. In the days of Shamgar to jail, in those days, it was hard economic times when the king and Cicero were overreigning and they were ruling oppressively and cruelly as we saw in chapter four. In those days, the highways were abandoned. No one got on the highways. Commerce stopped. In those days, travelers kept from the byways. No one moved around because people hid in fear, especially the Israelites. And then the villagers ceased in Israel. Even the normal people in the village communed kind of a tribal setup that was going on We're kind of out in a way of fear of what was taking but these are hard, dark, oppressive 20 years of cruel reign at that time and it's telling and it's saying in those days, end of verse 7 I Deborah arose as a mother in Israel isn't that interesting? it's mom's day, it's mom day commonly called mother's day <laughs> can't get my words together And here, Deborah is referencing herself in this song as like a mother to Israel. Ladies, you have such a unique, special view and heart and sight of life. And thank you. I'm serious, right, guys? Thank you. Because if it was all guys, we would be a mess. And here is a mother in Israel. She's thinking from this place as we follow through here in just a second. Let's keep moving. This whole section right here is about the leaders. Deborah, leader. When new gods were chosen. By the way, what that meant is the word is Elohim, but obviously Elohim refers to, to, to God our God, but yet uh, uh, in it, it was oftentimes used in the Old Testament to reference small g gods. But here, this is song. This is illustrative. I don't think this is referring about some kind of fake deity. This is actually referring to leaders of the day, because leaders in the day at the time, the pagans viewed the leaders as gods. And so here, it's like, I arose, and leaders were chosen. Again, it's song, so it's flowery, that war was at the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 of Israel? Listen, Israel didn't have guns. They didn't have knives. They didn't have shields. They didn't have anything like that because the world was so hard and oppressive in the time. These are bad times, but yet Deborah arose. Leaders arose. Verse 8, my heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Verse 2. And they are noting in more detail. The leaders arose. God was behind rising up leaders that that came in our day. And then what's the next thing that she says? What is it? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Let's keep going. Bless the Lord. You can see it on yellow up on the screen now. Verse 10. Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, Okay, you got to understand, in that day, these were their cars. And literally, how did you know someone was rich? By their donkey and how they pimped it out. That's actually what it's talking about here. The, the, those on the white donkeys with the pimped out carpets on them, man. You know, fuzzy dice over the neck and, you know, all this kind of stuff going on. Those were rich people. And they would ride around their horse with the whole thing. All, woo! And they're just like, I want you to know, I'm rich. And that's what they're saying. Tell of it even though, even you who are rich and you who walk by the way, you normal folk to the sound of musicians at the watering places where people would gather. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. As you see some of this, you see some of the uh, cool things that are taking place. Note the verticalness of it. Obviously, bless the Lord, but also note the publicness of the praise. It's not to self. It's not even in a closet. It's not just in your own little heart. Here, this is being declared out. It's public. It's vertical. It's public. Also, there's an invitation in it. An invitation uh, in this vertical public saying to join in, to be a part of lifting up the name of the Lord High. By the way, even those who don't worship the Lord, join me. See what the Lord has done in invitation. And then there's this dual triumph of the Lord and his people. How cool is that, by the way? The triumphs of the Lord and the triumphs of his villagers. The Lord loves it when he gets glory. And the Lord is good with it when rightfully his people are encouraged in following the Lord as well. Moms. We see these folks here, Deborah and Barack, in particular, they're seeing God victories as leaders and moms. If you will, as, as a, if I can put it this way, as a leader with your, in your children's eyes, are you seeing the victories? Do your children know you as a mom will grab a hold of the God victories and take them vertical and take them public and invite them to join in what God has done. Oh, I encourage you to be that. More of that, moms. More of that. Harvest is a church. I would say the same thing for us that we would be a people that eyes wide open to seeing God at work in and around and through us. And we take those vertical and we bring those together publicly. Can you imagine if we are a people who are doing that rather than, oh man, it was, it was, it was a hard, rough, oh, it was just a day. But, but imagine if we were, times we bring those together, but at times we bring in, but the Lord has been at work. And we rejoice in those together. We are the kind of people that should be the people singing God victories. And we each need to hear it from each other. And those around us need to hear it. Listen, you need to be known at your work as a person who notes God at work and declares it. And sometimes you have to be wise in how you do that but we should be the kind of people because even people without Christ are yearning for the kinds of people who are encouragers and champions of one another. And we should be those kind of people because we have hope in every situation. Oh, that we would be more of that. Oh, that I would be more of that. Now here we shift into where it really just moves. We shift in here to a really cool section. Uh, Moms, I would encourage you to think about this section I'm about to read here as the kind of a section where Deborah looks at the 12 tribes. Remember, she notes herself as a mother. Think of it this way. Deborah now talks about 10 of her 12 children, okay? She's thinking about 10 of her 12 children. Uh, uh, Judah and Simeon are down south. Uh, I won't bring those in because they're not in the text here. But the northern tribes are in this. Watch what takes place. Oh, moms, there's such a mom's heart as a leader in this. Let's go at verse 11, end of verse 11. Here we go, the march of. Then down the gates, to the gates, the people of the, march the people of the Lord. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, break out in song. Arise, Barak, lead away your captives, O son of Abinom. By the way, I think that's coming out of chapter 4, verse 14, when, when Deborah and Barak are at Mount Tabor on that little mountain area there. And, and in verse 14, Deborah says, up, Barak, up, now we go. And they charge down here and is awake, awake, here we go. Then verse 13, then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of the Lord march down for me against the mighty, and now she starts naming her children. Let's call it that. From Ephraim, their route, they march down to the valley. And following you, Benjamin, with your kinsmen. Can you just see a mom thinking child by child? From Mashir, which is Manasseh, march down the commanders. And from Zebulun, everybody's got a kid named Zebulun, Right? from Zebulun, those who bear the lieutenant's staff. The princes of Issachar came with Deborah, and Issachar faithful to Barak, into the valley they rushed at his heels. Now, you'll see on the screen, I've got the next few verses in blue. Something changes here with the next four children. Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Reuben, why did you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart, i.e., searching of heart, but you didn't enter into the war. Verse 17, Gilead, or Gad, stayed beyond the Jordan. You see why they would say stay beyond the Jordan? Uh, Because, uh, oh, I haven't gotten there yet, I'm sorry. I'll get there in just a second. I'm ahead of myself. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by his landing. Zebulun, we're kind of back out of that. Zebulun, which is referred to up above. Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to the death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. Let me walk this here. Marched, a key word in the text here. Let's go down this. Verse 11, they, down the gates they marched the people of the Lord. Verse 13, down marched the remnant of Israel. The people of the Lord marched down. And then she gets into each one of them. Verse 14, Ephraim marched down. Benjamin followed. In other words, Benjamin followed as well. And then Mashir or Manasseh, marched down. Uh, probably the west side, maybe, maybe the east and the west, uh, for sure, uh, the west side of the Jordan. And Zebulun, who bore the lieutenant's staff, verse 15, Issachar came with, faithful, he rushed. Verse 18, Zebulun, noted again here, kind of like double honor, uh, risked their lives to the death, and kind of like in this unique stated uh, thing, Naphtali, uh, both Zebulun and Naphtali are kind of noted uniquely here, like double honor almost. Six tribes, six children, who faithfully marched into battle of the chapter 4 battle. And it's like a mom just going, this is such a blessing. Six of my children marching for the Lord, entering the war, engaged with God's people. What a blessing. What a blessing. But note in it, she, like a mom would do, is like, verse 15 and 16, Reuben, you searched your hearts, but you sat still. Reuben, I didn't raise you that way. As a mother of Israel, why did you sit still? And then verse 17, Gilead or Gad stayed beyond the Jordan. Now you can see why they're on the other side of the Jordan. Gilead, Gad, why did you stay? Dan stayed with the ships out on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Well, why did you stay with the ships? And then Asher sat still on the coast. Well, what, what, what? Karen and I are empty nesters right now. And it is so like Deborah is in an empty nest mom thing and she's reviewing through 10 of her children and the only as a mom can do is she's thinking through them 6 of them are like oh i am so encouraged i have 6 who marched into battle for the lord with god's people and then i have 4 raised in the same home saw the same things and the same teaching and yet 4 what happened Maybe for some moms today, that's what's going through your reality. Joy of a child or children engaged with Jesus and his people in the war. And potentially even the mystifying heartache of a child or children disengaged from Jesus and his people. And it's just like, what happened? Same home, same setting. Different results. Now, Let me just finish the end of this section and then we'll make some comments. Verse 19, a little bit of the history. The kings came, they fought. Then fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh, the waters of Megiddo. Then... They got no spoils of silver. From heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. That's the rains came down. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon. Verse 22 then loud beat the horse's hooves with the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Can you even hear it in the song? Verse 23, curse Mer, Meraz, which is a city of, in Naphtali, kind of a noted specific take here, says the angel of the Lord curse its inhabitants thoroughly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Again here, we've got this idea that in this war, six were faithful unto the Lord and four, there's no fire for the Lord. What happened? Parents, one of the applications out of this is you need to remember parenting is not a formula. There is no formula. You can have multiple kids in the same setting, same situation, same teachings, same hardships, same blessings and post it all on completely different objectives. And maybe for some moms, you need to hear this morning. Like Deborah, I just wonder if she's like, what did I miss? Did I not say something right? Did I not parent right? Did I do something wrong for those four on it? What happened? And it's like, oh, 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 the angst of it all. But listen to me, parents. Parenting is not a formula. And I'll say it this way. Don't go for their happiness. Go for their heart. We have far too much parenting nowadays going that the goal is that my kids would be happy. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you, I would rather have my kids live in hard days and hard times and rough situations and love the Lord than be wealthy and happy and all that kind of stuff that's going to die after a little bit. We want to raise kids pointing their heart to the Lord. Parenting is getting at their heart. And when I say that, don't take it to a formula. You've got to pray your guts out and that's not the next part of the formula. You pray with them, you go at their heart, you work with them, you love them, you face down before the Lord. Oh God, help our kids. And you need to know this, they choose. They choose. And here is this almost empty nester mom going, what happened? Answer, they chose not to be engaged with the Lord. And they chose not to be engaged with God's people. And they chose not to be engaged in the spiritual war. Keep praying. Keep praying. And you keep growing and changing. They need to see you grow and change. And maybe even in it somewhere as you think this through, there is something or some things that you need to go back to your children or your child and ask for their forgiveness. Before the Lord, you need to do that. That's okay, but know this. Whatever you have done, they choose. Press on, moms. Press on. It is war. It is. It is. I skipped over a statement in verse 21. It's like as she's reading this through, her and and Barak, it's like she can't help in verse 21 but just to go, march on my soul with might. March on my soul with might. Moms, march on your soul with might because it's not about how good you are. It's all about who the Lord is. March on your soul with might. Then we come to the last two sections. Verse 24, most blessed of. Most blessed of women, (laughs) B.J.L. How interesting is that Deborah is singing this. Of all the women she could say most blessed of, uh, there's something most blessed of this J.L. Uh, she's the wife of Heber, the Canite, and of tent-dwelling women, most blessed. Well, it's not because of necessarily her lineage that makes her great. There's something about this woman that makes her great. Verse 25, he, referring to chapter 4, see Sarah, he asked for water and she gave him milk. That was kind of over and above kindness. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg. And her right hand to the workman's mallet. You getting the picture? Yeah. Tent peg in hand, right hand on the mallet. Chapter four, C. Sarah's asleep on the ground. And she struck C. Sarah boom, right through the head. Moms don't do that. It's song, follow with me. She struck Cicera, this wicked, oppressive, horrific uh, leader in his day. And I think we'll see some reasons why here in just a second. And she crushed his head. She sat shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. This is poetic song. Between her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. It's like the song is moving through and going through and it all of a sudden hits (laughs) slow-mo. And in all of this, somehow this is blessed. She's not famous, she's not high power. But she is blessed. Why might that be? Let's keep reading. Verse 28, out of the window she peered, the mother of... Sarah, the, 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 the man, if you weren't here last Sunday, the man whom jail just drove into the ground. Out of the window she peered, the mother of Sarah you can just see this, especially military moms, you, you know this far better than anybody, uh, wailed through the lattice, why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? This is a mom's heart right here looking out the window and it's like, is he going to come home? Is he going to come home? He's a general in war and and win. I expected him home by now. Verse 29, her wisest princesses answer. Indeed, she answers herself. They give her false hope and she gives herself false hope in this. And by the way, we're going to hit this quickly and it's pretty sick. Verse 30. Have they not found and divided the spoil? In other words, it's like, uh, isn't the spoil back yet? What is the spoil? Look at what the mom and the princesses are declaring as spoil. Spoil is what you bring back kind of as a victory result of war. Look at this. A womb or two for every man. I mean, that is so watered down from the Hebrew. In the text here, and I just don't want to be overly graphic graphic, because you'll get it in light of what's happening in parts of our world today. When wicked, horrific, oppressive, evil men go to war and conquer a people, oftentimes what ends up happening? What ends up happening is they grab women and take them back as their slaves. Yeah, you got the picture. That's what is being referenced here. I mean, he should be coming back with his spoils like of at least one or two women for him and each of the men in the army. I don't know. But now I wonder if I understand why J.L. drove that stake through his face. A woman who understands the disgusting, horrific, horrific, sex slave reality. And it's her time to take a wicked, horrific, evil man out for all the women that he's responsible for, for having misused and abused horrifically stake through the head. And a mom is involved in this and then it goes, spoil of dyed materials for Caesar. He should be bringing that back. I mean, spoiled, dialed materials, dyed materials of embroidered, two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as a spoil. It's like he should be coming back with his women slaves and he should be coming back with all the spoils of the, of the, the clothing, the fine clothing that he took. Where is that? We miss him. This is not a good mom on Mother's Day. Straight up with you. And yet this is what happens when wickedness goes on extended for periods of time. And here is the situation of Jael, most blessed of women, who is going to end the horrificness of what's taking place in the day. And we finish with the final vertical declaration. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord. Well, that makes sense in light of what we just read but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might <laughs> real quick it's interesting that last statement there back in the day they used to the the those uh, pagans used to think that the sun was a chariot wheel that the gods would drive across the sky and so here, what's going on is the singers are even using false, really bad theology and they're saying, you know what, I'm going to grab that and we're going to make that right. In fact, God, may you be the one who allows us to be able to rise like the sun as chariots of your children giving glory for you is kind of what's contained in the verbiage here. And the song finishes. And I want to finish with this. This is a song that confronts and invites. It confronts us with the reality of the war that is around us and the war that is within us, that lives. But it invites us. See the victories. Oh, moms, dads all of us. Let's be people seeing the victories. That takes time, that takes effort, that takes a moment to sit and to pause and to rest and to consider what God has been up to. And let's see those victories. That's not just positive thinking kind of la la la. We're seeing the God victories that have been taking place with HD detail requiring HD theology. And we're taking those and it invites us to sing them vertical. And take him to the Lord. And if we are a people like that. Oh my what the Lord would do. And moms. Keep at it. We love you. And are so grateful for your work. Lord thank you so much for this time. And this very unique passage of scripture. uh, Talking about uh, uh, this woman and this man. But especially here this woman. uh, uh, Quite a lady Deborah. And here she is declaring so much of what's taken place in a time of hard time, in a time of sadness that's kind of been apart for all this. It's a dark time. People didn't travel. Uh, the economy was horrible. It was hard and oppressive and cruel for 20 years of time. And there was so much to get bitter about There was so much to be discouraged about. And yet here, in this great victory, they don't just leave it with a bless the Lord. They take it and they sing it out. And they grab the details and they savor the taste of it all. Oh, that we would taste the glory and the victory of the Lord, savoring it in our mouth, savoring it in our mind, savoring it more and more in our speech on a regular basis. Oh God, may we be a people that declares the victories of a God at work among his people. And we pray that for our moms. Oh God, protect them. Care for them, love them, help them to endure, give them hope, keep them on their knees. March on, ladies. March on. In Christ's name we pray.